Welcome to Voices of Santa Clara. Having a good idea doesn't get you done. And if we'd hit those, there would have been an explosion. We would have died, obviously. Scholarship should cultivate the virtues. Worry more about, am I searching for what I should be doing next in the world? Welcome to the Voices of Santa Clara podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Cosgrave, and on this show I interview some of the fascinating students and professors at Santa Clara to learn about their life experiences. And today I'm talking with the director of a student organization. Her name is Hershey Mogalapali, and she leads SCAP which stands for Santa Clara Community Action Program. SCAP is Santa Clara's volunteering and community service student organization, and they have a wide variety of opportunities for students to volunteer in the local community. Hershey has been involved in community service since she was young, and she started a nonprofit in high school to bring music into an after-school program. Um, in this conversation, we dive into that nonprofit as well as what brought her to Santa Clara. While at Santa Clara, she has taken advantage of several summer um, abroad opportunities that Santa Clara offers, including the Global Fellows program where she went to the Gambia and the Jean Donovan scholarship where she visited Nepal. Uh, Hershey is a biology major and plans on someday attending medical school and becoming a doctor, which after this conversation I am convinced is an excellent job for her and that she will one day be a great doctor if that's what she chooses to do. This is a super fun conversation and I think you'll enjoy it. I'm trying to feature more students on the podcast and Hershey is one of Santa Clara's finest. So please enjoy this conversation with SCAP director Hershey Mogalapalli. So I would love to start out by just asking, where did your passion for community service start? Yeah, and to start off, thank you for having me, Gavin. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, my passion for community service, I think, started when I was when I was really young. I wish I had like an event that like blew my mind, and that's what turned my life around. But um, no, I think the story that I I remember the most, um, but I kind of had a passion for community service already, but I was about 13 years old and my family went to a restaurant um, and there was a boy with Down syndrome and he was super social and he came up to me to talk to me and I just didn't know how to interact. I, I didn't like scoot away or anything, but I didn't know what to do. And that was when I realized that I needed to get involved in communities that don't personally affect me. I, I don't have any relatives with Down syndrome. And, you know, I don't have any friends whose siblings are or friends in general with Down syndrome. So um, that was kind of my wake-up call, I guess, to realizing that community service is the way that I will get a glimpse into other communities so that that never hmm. happens again. Hmm. And what did you do during high school to kind of fuel that interest? Yeah, so um, I took part in Key Club. I don't know if you know what that is. Um, it's like the community service club for high schools. Um, so I started my freshman year. I would volunteer. Um, I was a little bit frustrated because at like, being under 18, 
you don't get that many opportunities to volunteer in the community because you just don't have that many skills yet and there's a lot of liability with minorities um not minorities that's not what i meant minors <laughs> they there's not as much liability with minorities mm-hmm. we're fine with that <laughs> but um with minors so that was a little bit frustrating um but by the end of my senior year i was the president of my key club mm-hmm. i was super interested in wanting to get everyone in my high school like volunteering at some point um i think that it um supplements education so well like academic Academia, not just like because I think community service in and of itself is education. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I did in high school. Nice. And did you start a nonprofit? I read that you oh. started a nonprofit. What was that about? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love how I didn't mention that. Um, yeah, so I started a nonprofit. I think I was a sophomore in high school. Um, but you know, I think that was a learning experience for me as well. Um, the basis of that nonprofit was that um, I loved music. Um, I learned Indian classical singing since I was five years old, um, and I knew that other people just loved other kinds of singing and other kinds of music. So there was a school in Milwaukee. So I'm from Milwaukee, but a little bit outside of it. So there's a school in like more of the inner city of Milwaukee that had an after-school program, but they don't have any like teachers coming in or they have like the teachers just supervising but they don't have like music teachers or dance teachers or like activities it's often just the kids just hang out with the supervising teachers so I said once a week can I come in and um like maybe just incorporate music into the after school program and they were like yeah absolutely and so I started doing that um and I think the reason I say it was a learning experience is because I don't know if I took as much time to listen to the community as to what they needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think, if I didn't have that experience, I don't think I would have learned the importance of listening. Hmm. Yeah. And then how did Santa Clara get on the map for you? Why did you choose to come here for college all the way out from Wisconsin? Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I applied to a bunch of California schools because my dad was working in San Diego at the time and so he was like you know he he traveled back and forth um so on the weekends he'd be home and he was like California's close to me and I can visit you often so I was like that sounds great um so really the only schools I applied to were like in Wisconsin or like in the Midwest mm-hmm. and like California um and so then I came out here um I got involved um in a really great scholarship or I got an invitation for a really great scholarship and um they had a scholarship weekend so um, at that point, I still hadn't made my decision because I was like, okay, like, I don't really know this school. I don't know California. And then during the dinner, there was a student standing up there, and he was talking about his experience at Santa Clara. And he was like, Santa Clara made me a global citizen. And I think that just sold me. I mm-hmm. I don't remember anything else he said. I don't remember his project. It was four years ago. But I remember him saying that sentence, and I was like, within the next four years, I want to be a global citizen Mm. or I mean not that it's like a four-year project Mm -hmm. but you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. I wanted to work on that I need to go to this school because this school is going to provide me with the opportunities to become that so that's how I got sold and that's Mm. how I'm here and how did you look for those global citizen opportunities when you got here there are so many opportunities here like they I don't know how they stuck out to me but they did I think like in some ways they found me um I did the global fellows program Mm -hmm. and Gene Donovan and really all I would do is I would go like 
onto SEU's website and mm-hmm. look at like international opportunities or um, I don't know, like sometimes just Google like ways to travel during undergrad mm-hmm. and volunteer mm-hmm. opportunities and stuff like that. And I found the different scholarships that were provided mm-hmm. through Santa Clara that would let me do them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really how I found it. Like Global Fellows, uh, one of my best friends did it and she was like, I went to the Gambia and I loved it. You need to go. And um, I was like, the Gambia, like that's that's in Western Africa. Like I've never gone. I doubt my parents will let me go. Like we don't have any family there or anything. Um, but I heard um, the organization, like the founder of the organization that I worked for in the Gambia, she was in school in, in Santa Clara mm-hmm. that week. And she was like, you know what? She's having this talk. Go to this talk. And I was like, okay, fine. And I went, blew me away and literally called my parents and I was like, I'm going to the Gambia this summer because mm-hmm. I can't imagine doing anything else. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I went there. And then from there, I just kind of, you know, found other opportunities, mm-hmm. mostly through Santa Clara's website. It was very intentional searching. Yeah, yeah. 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 About that experience in the Gambia, was there was there a, a story or a moment that you really vividly remember now? Yeah. Um, first of all, the Gambia is a beautiful country. Um their beaches are really are amazing. I, I love it. Um, and their fruits were really good. I'm, I'm very much a fruit person. Wherever I travel, I like like to try the unique fruits of the place. Um, I remember um, I was on a boat down the Gambian River, and I almost can like smell the river sometimes. It's just I am so glad that I took that minute to realize how beautiful it was because. I just was there, you know, um, and I was like fully present. And I think that really speaks to the power of being present because that's now a memory that I, I, I can draw it if I was an artist, but I'm not. So, but you know what I mean? Like there's so many things that are like, it's just stamped into my memory. Um, we were on a boat. Um, there were, they, it's not like a boat tour, but it's like, it, but it's like some men that run the boat rides down the river and, um, I was talking to one of the men. He was sitting up um, by the front of the boat, and I was sitting right next to him. And, you know, like, I there were crocodiles in that river. I mean, it wasn't crocodile season, but, like, my toes were, like, two inches away, and I'm not a risk taker. But I think something about the serenity of that um, experience still gets me because I'm like, I really shouldn't have done that. But... Um, we were just sitting towards the front. Our legs are off the boat. And um, he was asking me what America was like. And I was, like, telling him. And um, he was saying how he really wanted to come to America and provide for his family and all of the all of that stuff. And I was like, really? Like, what? Like, this river is amazing. But, you know, obviously I didn't have the full picture. Like, yeah, like, America is a land of opportunity. And so makes sense that people would want to come but it was really beautiful because I on my side I discovered how much people have to leave behind when they leave their home and and I think on his side what came up was how much he loved his home um he was so one of the things he said was yeah I could come to America but you know I wouldn't have my river and the river that he drives boats down every day and every night um and that really spoke to me, and that was an experience that I think I learned a lot from, just, just realizing the value of a home and what that means for each person. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And how does your 
major of biology kind of tie into that or how do you think about that like in combination with your service opportunities that you've done so far yeah I I don't know if it ties if I if I intentionally tried to tie it in or if Mm -hmm. I was like biology just isn't the full picture I need a bigger picture um I think that when I was doing those opportunities I don't think that they were tied Mm -hmm. but I think that the the tools that biology has built me and gave me and the tools that these experiences have given me is kind of shaping my future um because in biology you do research and um science but you know and often i think that it doesn't seem like social justice work but I've noticed how many scientists do social justice work, right? Not just the sociologists that are writing about the frameworks um, that exist in society, but the actual scientists that are looking at health disparities and what that means in terms of our genetics and in terms of the medicine that's available to people mm-hmm. and how scientific literature literature is actually an incredibly powerful method for advocating for a community. Hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. so by going to the Gambia, I'm able to get practice. And um, I mean, through I'm very grateful that they were um, they let they let me into their community. But mm-hmm. I was able to get um, the experience of being in a community that I'm not really from. And then from biology, I was able to build the tools I needed to further their cause, right? If not specifically the Gambians, it would just be a cause of a community that I choose to advocate for in the future. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then I'm also curious about this past summer where you did the Jean Donovan mm-hmm. Fellowship in Nepal. So why why did you choose that project? Because I get that, that that was a little more self-directed with choosing the, mm-hmm. uh, the country. And what, um, what kind of came out of that experience for you? What were some of the highlights? Yeah, um, so... Nepal is my favorite country on the entire planet. It has now been decided. Um, I miss it so much. I I love everything about it. Um, I decided to go there because I see myself um, working at least a little bit in India. I don't know if I see myself settling down there, if I see myself five or ten or one year. I don't know. But I see myself doing work there um, to some extent. And... So then I was like, okay, well, I want to go to a country that's similar to India, but I've been to India so many times that I want to go to, like, Nepal. You know, mm-hmm. similar enough, close enough, but it's different. Um, so that's how I decided on the country, honestly. And then um, I decided on um, a healthcare program there. So basically you learn a little bit about what the healthcare system is like there. Um, so I volunteered at a rural clinic. So I was in the mountains and I would do an hour hike um, every day, every morning and every evening to get to the clinic and back because there was no roads there. So I lived on a farm in the hills and then I would hike up the hill and then come back down. And um, every day we'd get maybe two or three patients. I would help with the vitals. I would learn Nepalese um, from the people that worked there, which was super fun. And just, like, I got the experience of understanding what rural Nepalese mm-hmm. healthcare is like. Um, I I mean, no matter how many books I read, I don't think I would be able to picture it as clearly as I would be able to now. 
Um, and I never know when that knowledge is going to be useful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also worked in Kathmandu, which is the capital of Nepal. Mm-hmm. Um, and there I worked in a big community hospital, like five floors, like 10 different departments, doctors running everywhere, patients everywhere. Um, and there I learned what what a busy healthcare environment is like. So I really got the best of both worlds there, which is really what I wanted. But the goal that I went with there is um, by the summer, my my vision was a little bit more directed towards healthcare. And mm-hmm. um, so I knew that my work internationally, if it's healthcare related, I would be more useful and I would get more out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. And then about your involvement with SCAP, um, were there any experiences you had maybe your first couple years that made you know, like, this is something I definitely want to stick with through my whole time at college? Mm-hmm. Um, actually, my first gap experience was okay. what made me stick <laughs> with it. Uh, so the scholarship that I was a part of, um, they had, um, that I am a part of, they had a, a day of like service where, you know, they just took a group of us and we went to Julian Street Inn, which one of my all-time favorite SCAP programs. Um, and so I don't know if you know what that is. It's a transition home um, in San Jose, um, or a transition shelter. And so uh, we go, we make breakfast, and we serve it, and we eat with the residents there, um, which was really fun. And I remember sitting there, and the leader of that program for that year was sitting at the same table that I was. And one of the residents was like, this breakfast is so delicious. And her name her name was Julia. I hope she doesn't mind me saying this. But anyways, uh, it was Julia. And um, they looked at her and they're like, Julia, thank you so much for coming every Saturday and making this breakfast for us. And it was like, okay, yeah, that, that's sweet. And then I realized that Julia wakes up at 5 a.m. every Saturday to go to Julian Street Inn and make breakfast. And I realized that those were the people that I wanted to hang out with. I wanted to be in that group of people that woke up at 5 a.m. on Saturdays to make breakfast, you know? And so that's when I decided that, like, SCAP would be where I found my people. Um, it sounds like, it sounded like something that really spoke to me. I love the way she spent her time, and I love um, the intention she put into her schedule. And so that's how I knew that I really wanted to be in SCAP. Mm-hmm. And then... How did you kind of like advance through the organization? Did you lead any programs mm-hmm. or how did you get to where you are now? Yeah, so my sophomore year, I was the program coordinator. So it's like the lead of the program for Senior Connection, which is a program in the Health and Disabilities Department. Um, and it works at a senior day center in San Jose, which was really mm-hmm. fun. Um, and then I was Health and Disabilities Department coordinator. So. Um, just looking over the whole department, that was so much fun. Um, because as a department coordinator, you kind of have like, you have, you're part of the leadership committee, you know, making decisions, but you also are um, are in touch with the program coordinators and get to plan little events and stuff like that. I really enjoyed that. And then I ran for director after that because um, I loved my experience in SCAP and mm-hmm. I thought that I would leave it at a better place than I found it. Yeah. How I went forward. Yeah, what are your kind of goals as director? What have you tried to move forward this year? Yeah, so my main platform, I guess, I don't know what to call it, but my main focus coming in as director was to do something about the polarization, right? So when I was department coordinator was when um, the whole president fiasco happened, and 
things just exploded and I was like Scott needs to be able to handle this you know um and the director at the time did a fantastic job she was one of my really good friends and I know how much time and effort she put in and I was like and you know it's really hard to deal with a problem right when it has just happened but I knew that I had the privilege of being director um if I was chosen to to be director at a time when things have kind of calmed down a a little bit um and so I was like I'm gonna do something about the polarization people need to be able to talk to each other and even over the summer um through the CSI, so the Center for Student Involvement, they funded me to go to the National Jesuit Student Leader Conference. Um, Basically, one person from every CSO gets to go, and it's super fun. And in that, so that happened at Georgetown. And so we were in D.C., and we, we got to visit, like, some of the, not the senators, because they were really busy, but, like, the people that worked in their office. And we got to meet with some of our representatives, and that was super cool. And when we talked to them, the representatives were like, oh, my God, yeah, like, that Republican or, oh, that Democrat. And I'm like, you guys are real adults doing real things. Like, you cannot be rolling your eyes at each other. You need to have a conversation. Like, I don't care how hard your job is. But that's what freaked me out, was that, like, is this the road we're going at right now where it's just, like... No one can talk to each other, and we just roll our eyes depending on a label. Um, and so that pushed me even further. And so my my main focus was the implementation of issue-based meetings. And so these are meetings where um, every month, so the third week of every month, we have, so we have all staff meetings every week, right? And so one of the meetings um, is dedicated to an issue. Um, so we've had we've talked about feminism. We've talked about the new policies of Betsy DeVos for education. We talked about um, we're having one about like the LGBTQ community. We're having a panel come in, and you know anyone can come. You don't have to be on SCAP staff. And um, the point of this is not to bias you in any one way, but it's about providing you with an education, right? Like, are you informed with what the new policies mean? And so we really want to invite different opinions right so we advertise to different clubs and you know clubs that we know might have a different opinion than the majority of scat because for me i think that there is a story behind every opinion um and i think it's worth knowing what that is i don't think people just have a random opinion even if it's like oh my parents have it or something it's mm-hmm. like that's something mm-hmm. right that's a little bit more than you knew than just labeling that person as a conservative or a liberal or mm-hmm whatever and so that was what I focused on um, during this entire year is like how can we make this campus better at communicating with people that they disagree with hopefully Hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that ripples into having a bigger effect and the next generation will be able to talk to each other Mm -hmm. have the have the meetings and I guess the volunteering efforts as well have those both been successful like are there a lot of students involved in these things do you have an idea like how many different I don't know people in in campus are involved in SCAP yeah so um honestly I think it depends on the program some programs Mm -hmm. um every week it's different so JSI you'll have different students come in every week um, that's Julian Street in but some programs in the education and mentoring department require commitment Mm -hmm. but I know I think I want to say it's around 400 volunteers wow. or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, and we just had a walkout, and that had, a, mm-hmm. that had over 400 people. I don't want to say everyone there was part of SCAP, but, you know, I'm saying. So we, yeah. re- we reach a wide 
um, audience mm-hmm. and hopefully it'll just get bigger mm-hmm. um, I mean I'm still in the process of trying some of the scat programs that mm-hmm. I've never tried before and I'm like oh my gosh I run this organization and I didn't even realize how cool this program was because it's really hard mm-hmm. to go to all 20 mm-hmm. you know like I don't know if I'll ever get yeah. to that point but. yeah do you think students have like a hunger to do these types of things or do you think it's really important to do a lot of like recruiting and marketing efforts I guess or, or some combination I think that Everyone does have a hunger for it, but it just depends on how they prioritize, right? I mean, you only have four years at college and you only have a limited amount of time each day. And so you really have to prioritize what you're going to put first. And and at some point it makes sense, you know, when people, even if they were like a huge part of SCAP, when, when they step away and they're like, you know what, I, I actually have to need, I need to take this internship this year. And I'm like, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, um, go for it, like climb up that ladder as well so that now we have a social justice oriented person very high up um, and they're mm-hmm. able to do more good. And so, yeah, it, it is super important to do the recruiting because sometimes you just need that little nudge that actually you can balance both. You can mm-hmm. volunteer and also do all of these other things and it might be more enriching because mm-hmm. um, I know I was having I was like so tired yesterday and I went to San Jose Family Shelter and I was working with a six-year-old there and I don't know where all of that energy came from afterwards, but like working with children really energizes me and I think, mm-hmm. um, and I'm so, I'm so I'm like really glad I went and mm-hmm. a lot of students have that experience, I think, mm-hmm. but that's why recruiting is important, Yeah. but I don't want to say that their involvement has to do with our recruiting as much as it has to do with like their internal desire mm-hmm. to give. Mm-hmm. What are your plans for the future after you graduate? That's a good question. I have no idea. (laughs) Um, I don't know my immediate plans. Um, I'm still looking at multiple jobs, Mm -hmm. seeing where I go. But um, in the long run, I really want to go to medical school and become a doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the lessons I've learned at Santa Clara in terms of how to be an advocate and um, how to listen to other people, all of that was practice for being a good doctor and hopefully mm-hmm. an advocate along with an md degree so wow. yeah yeah we'll awesome. see well i'd love to wrap up with a couple of shorter questions mm-hmm. so and i might know the answer to one of these but what was uh what, what is the favorite place that you've traveled to nepal nepal <laughs> yes <laughs> all right what advice would you give to a first year student starting out at santa clara um have a plan just so you have direction, but also it's not going to work out. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it'll probably be better than what you planned for. Mm-hmm. If you could send a message to every person in the United States, what would you want to say? Oh my gosh. Think about more ways you can give. Hmm. And what does an ideal Saturday look like for you? Oh my gosh, I just asked someone this question. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, An ideal Saturday, I wake up early, I have tea, and I meditate and do my yoga, um, and then I read, um, hopefully outside if it's nice, and then I have lunch with friends, um, maybe watch a movie or do something fun with them, and then come back. I love sleep, so I'm not, like, really into staying super late, but yeah, and just come back and do some more reading or whatever and go to bed. Awesome. Thanks so much for doing this interview. Of course. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening to the show today. You can subscribe to Voices of Santa Clara on the iTunes podcast app. You can visit VoicesOfSantaClara.com for interview transcripts, and you can like the Facebook page. Special thanks to Miles Elliott for the music. Thank you for listening, and have a nice day. Thank you.